This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listen to the West Amway podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast of myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. A second straight defeat means that we are now second from bottom with Brighton, Chelsea, and Tottenham around the corner. We talk about the Forest game, our Conference League debut on Thursday, whether Rice should still be penalty taker, Moyes' decision to have two sub keepers, and more before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Hamway. X, two games, two defeats, the latest one coming against newly promoted Nottingham Forest, and it's one that leaves a second from bottom. What did you make of the game? Um, it was a really interesting game to sort of think back on because there was loads and loads of incidents, really, if you think about it. You know, they had a goal disallowed through VAR, as did we. You know, we missed a penalty. There's a number of dubious ref decisions. The goal that they scored was just the most luckiest goal I've ever seen. We hit, hit the bar two or three times. It was a strange game. I, I think when you look back on it on reflection, you could say that West Ham were definitely unlucky to not have got three points but certainly one point out of that game. So it's annoying, it's frustrating, another loss. But you you kinda of, you would expect to lose to Man City, so you kinda of write that one off. The Forest game, arguably, because it was their first one at home for twenty odd years and it was very good the atmosphere let's not take that away from them Declan Rice apparently whispered to Warrell their captain wow it's loud like that um, at the start of the game and um, you know it's just um, so you maybe you'd expect to have lost that as well but when you reflect on the game it's, it wasn't 
that bad a performance we should have got at least something from it so it's really hard to know where to pitch your emotions at the moment are you gutted with the two defeats or are you just writing off man city and thinking actually we played well against bournemouth we'll start to pick up points soon yeah i do agree that it's quite a tough one to call really because, you know, if two of those chances go in, we win the game 2-1, everyone's happy. And it quite easily could have been the case. It was always going to be a tough game. That's what I mean. I think the computer's really done us up like a kipper, to be honest. Man City at home first game of the season, then Forest away, which is their first home game of the season in the top flight for over 20 years. Really, really tough two games there. Um, the atmosphere rocking. I mean, I don't even think they had 30,000 in there, but it sounded like 50,000 at times. So I was really impressed with that. The players were obviously going to be up for it. Cooper would have been desperate for the win. Um, first half, I don't think we were good enough. I think Forrest were a better side. Second half, I think we were much better. But I still think certain individuals didn't turn up. And we missed those individuals not turning up. For example, Jarrah Bowen. You know, when he's on his game and he's on fire... Um, no pun intended. Uh, he, he's a game changer, but I just think he was completely missing in that game, which was a shame. And there were others as well. I don't really want to steam into players, but I don't know. I just think um, we're a better side than Forest, and I don't think there can be any excuses for not winning the game because the better side should always win the game unless they're not on top of their game. And I don't think we was, and that disappoints me. So I don't think there can be any excuses, maybe apart from one, and that is luck. Because you look at Ben Rama's disallowed goal, and we'll come to that. We hit the bar twice. Suchek missed two absolute sitters, one of which led to a penalty. That was missed. Their goal, like you said, was dog shit, really, wasn't it? Sloppy as you like. Uh, that could have gone anywhere, but it goes in the back of our net, you know? Um, I don't know if I've ever seen a goal like that. Against us for ages, the most lucky no. goal ever. No, and it was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah. And he celebrated like he'd scored a world as well. Yeah, exactly. I um, could have scored that, and that's not literally say anything. Literally, anyone could have scored that had a pair of legs. The ball just yeah, literally exactly. hit him in the legs and went in. Yeah, exactly that. But you know what? We had 57% possession away from home, 19 shots, seven corners. Maybe it was just one of those days. You know, maybe you just got to put it down to that. It's disappointing to talk about a second consecutive defeat. And I think it was easier to talk about the City game because, again, it's all about managing your own expectations, isn't it? You know, we're playing the, one of the greatest teams on the planet. Um, and I thought we would lose that game. And I thought even if we was on top of our game, it would be tough. But Forrest, yeah, to come away with nothing is really disappointing. But... Jesus Christ. I can't remember the last time I watched West Ham and, and thought we were that unlucky. Mm. You know, I thought we were really unlucky. I really did. Um, let's talk about our good friend, VAR. That mm. was massively involved in the disallowed goal. Should it have been disallowed? Um, I've only seen it back on Twitter. Um, I haven't actually watched Match of the Day or any highlights um, since obviously we were at the game, but I haven't seen the highlights. Uh, but looking at it, I think it's wrong decision to disallow the goal because, yes, by definition, it probably was a foul. But the defender, the, the forest defender, if you watch it clearly, the forest defender steps in the way of Antonio, who's trying to make a run into the box to get onto the through ball. And the defender steps in his way. And obviously, Antonio being Antonio powers through him and knocks him over. But he wouldn't have done that on, on, on purpose if the defender hadn't stood in his way. He wouldn't have deliberately targeted the centre-back. He was trying to run through to get himself into a position to score the goal. So to disallow it for that, 
I just think it was really, really out of order. To be honest, I mean, it was harsh. I don't agree with it. Yeah, I know. And again, you know, it's not as if they've made a snap judgment on this, is it? VAR took a long time to review it. They then told the referee to go to the monitor who had the benefit of hindsight with what he's seen in front of him. He took a bit of time. So this is an educated decision. He's had, they, they've all had time on their hands to make the right call. And I have tried to look at this with an unbiased view. I really have. And I've tried to get into the mindset of the referee. And I'm thinking, is he looking at that, thinking that Antonio... He's looking at the defender. He knows the defender's there. It's not as if he's backed into him and he didn't know the defender was there and it's just a, a clash. Is he thinking that he's intentionally gone in on him and the defender's gone down, therefore it's it's an off-the-ball incident that has benefited West Ham in the run-up to the goal? But do you know what? I think if that same clash would have happened and Antonio would have gone down, I don't think he gives a free kick. No. No, I agree with you. You know, so it, it's... Uh, what what is it? I don't understand. I mean, they, they, these are these are two men that have gone in on each other that that didn't really directly impact the play. I mean, it's not as if the defender got knocked to the floor; it was intentional. And then, for the space that Antonio's created for himself by knocking the defender down, he's then had the ball pass through him. He's gone one on one and scored. I can't see how much of an impact that's really had. And it's just one of those things where football's a physical game. Um, I didn't see any foul play there, really, to be honest. It's 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 what you do. It's a contact sport. You use your body to your advantage. And Mickey is muscle on muscle. When you're muscle on muscle, nine times out of ten, you're going to come out on top in a physical battle. I didn't think it was a foul. And um, again, you look at things like that, and it, it changes the course of play, doesn't it? Um, and it's just something else that once again went against us. And I just thought it was... I just thought it was, I don't know. It just it just wasn't our day. I, I, I really did think, I don't think we was on top of our game. That in itself disappoints me. But we were still good enough to win the game. And actually probably could have come away with a 4-1 win, realistically, when you look at the chances we had. Um, very frustrating. And it's not great to be two games in without a registered point on the board. We then get a penalty. Um, Deck takes it. I don't think he's taken many penalties for West Ham, but I think if you look at the ratios of scored to missed, I don't think it's looking great for him at the moment. Do you take pens away from him now or do you give him another chance? I would take them away from him, I think. I mean, it sounds a bit harsh, but uh, I, I don't want the pressure to be on him. He's such an important player for us. I know Noble had it as captain, but Noble you know, was a good penalty taker. I mean, I've been told Declan is a good penalty taker. You know, I, I was the one that said that um, he was going to start taking them uh, when he did a couple of seasons ago because I'd heard how good he was at them, but I think it just doesn't um, it doesn't uh, bode well when your captain's taking them. And, and I think he's got that in his head now that he's missed a couple and he's so passionate about winning it would have affected him I think I would take it off him and I'd rather I'd always rather like an attacking player takes the penalties anyway like because I think you know you're looking if you're going like goal scoring records or goal scoring achievements the amount of time strikers get good goals records each season because they also take penalties and we don't let our forwards do that they you know it's been noble and now rice and julian Dix and ray stewart and you know ne never really a forwards apart from the candy only taking the penalties for us so i think um i think i would rather it was someone like antonio or ben rama 
Oh, I, see, I mean, even though I'm San Antonio, I don't feel myself with that much confidence. But like, or Jared, maybe, maybe Jared Bowen. I think I'd rather someone like that now. So I think, yes. But then Mo- Moise is the one that sees them in the training ground. You know, I've never seen these people take penalties apart from in the odd game where it's gone to penalties like Man City um, last year. So really, is Moise has got to make the decision on what he sees in the training ground. But yeah, I think... When Declan stepped up, I didn't feel confident about him taking that penalty. And I think I, I would rather someone else took it now. Yeah, I think it's a tough one, though, you know, because apparently Declan is the best striker of a football we've got at the club, apparently. So the logic is there to give him the opportunity to score from 12 yards. Um, there is also the argument to say, are you actually putting more pressure on a player when he's taking a penalty? to say if, if you miss it, that's it, you're off pens. Rather mm. than just say, look, you score some, you miss some. You're a good player. You're a good striker of a football. Um, we, we, we'll put our trust in you for the rest of the season. I don't know because I, I, I don't think that... I think if Deck had, you know, 10 penalties this season, I think he'd probably score seven or eight of them, mm-hmm. to be honest. So is it harsh to, to take him off pens. I think it's a, it's a difficult one, that. And I don't think, to be honest, across the board, we are blessed with other options. You know, we don't have a, a Mark Noble or a Julian Dix where you can hang your hat on the penalty takers. I think, actually, Manu's a very good penalty taker, yeah. but he doesn't play week after week. So if it's not Deck, who do you give him to? Now, Antonio is a, is a striker, but, you know, he's not the most technically gifted, is he? Um, so I, I don't know, you know, but... This is the problem, isn't it? If you take if you take them off deck, who do they go to? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'd sit deck down. I think I'd say to him, look, you know, you missed two out of three or whatever it is. Obviously, that does happen. Are you um, are you happy to carry on as the taker? Let's see it in training. Let's continue working on them in training. If you're happy to to do it. Yeah, like you say, it's a tough decision. I, I can't make up my mind. My gut says I would rather someone else take, take took it. And when he went, went up to take that penalty, I didn't feel confident he was going to score it. But then my like, when you what you say is right, you don't want there to be that pressure that if someone misses a penalty, they're going to be taken off penalty straight away. It's almost like a, puni- a punishment then, which then adds more pressure to the to the penalty. Um, so, yeah, I found speak to Declan as captain. He needs to decide whether he is the right choice or whether someone else is the right choice so maybe take it from there mm. would you make a certain sections of our fan base calling for Moyes to be sacked after two games well, I think it's ridiculous um, it's, it's really annoying isn't it yeah it's ridiculous I mean look there are things to criticise he's not the perfect manager but then no, no manager is perfect and of course you can level criticism at him I'm concerned about you know, I, I've said it before, we both said it. Sometimes there's substitutions. Sometimes with the time it takes to get signings over the line and then to even play the signings, you know, he always seems to have to embed them into the squad rather than get them raring to go. You know, Notts Forest building a team against us. Nottingham Forest that, um, was pretty much all new signings. Yeah, they did all right against us. So, you know, it, it's, it's, it, there are things that you find frustrating about him, but there's no way that you can say after two games, 
Dean was the manager that has got us into Europe twice, having been in relegation battle before, which he has saved us from twice, um, to and got us to a European semi-final and finishing sixth and seventh in the league after two games of one season, one of which is against the champions who are going to walk the league this year. You saw they did to Bournemouth um, at the weekends. They're going to they're do that to most teams. Um, so again, you give him that, and against and against Forest, most teams probably would have lost that game anyway because of the circumstances. And it's not as if we didn't play well. We played well in the sense that we created chances. We just didn't have the luck. Mm. I've got to ask you this though: Why does he put two keepers on the bench, and does that show a lack of faith in our academy players? Because surely it'd be better to have one of the kids on the bench for the experience alone than a second goalkeeper that's never going to play. Yeah, I agree with you. And it does seem rather pointless. It really does. have two keepers on the bench, unless he's just trying to highlight the lack of squad depth. And I think that is ultimately the problem we've got at the moment, is that we do have a lack of squad depth. The fact we're playing right back at centre-back at the moment, you know, I think people believe ultimately he'll be a good centre-back, but he's never played there before. And we're thrusting him into that position. You know, I think... You know, we've got no real competition around the pitch. Yes, now we've got two forwards for once, but you know, that's taken us however long to get that. Suchek, I feel like he, um, you know, he he gets away with a bit of a pass at the moment because there's no real competition for him. I think the same thing, you know, maybe I don't think Cresswell played that badly. I saw a lot of people giving him stick, but to use him as an example, there's not really a much left back competition. I just feel like our squad is lacking at the moment and, and we need to bring some players in. That's the key. Um, and maybe that's why he plays two, or he has two goalkeepers on the bench because he just says we haven't got anyone else. But I agree with you. Even, I'd much rather have a, an academy kid on the bench that you're not sure whether he's going to make it or not, but at least is an outfield player that you could, if you are, I guess, desperate, stick him on the might do an all right job, um, than a goalkeeper that you'll effectively never go to play. It just seems pointless. Yeah, it does. And I'm not sure I buy into that decision being made to highlight the lack of squad depth. I think Moyes has got more about him and he's got a bigger set of nuts than in the net. I think if he really feels that way, he'd be in that boardroom saying it to their faces. And I just think, you know, if, if I don't know, the concept of him picking two goalkeepers to, to cryptically highlight a point, um, I, I, I can't see that being the case. Therefore, I believe it's purely down to selection. And I just don't know where his head's at making that choice it, it doesn't make any sense to me at all and I, I, I don't know I just think I, I think it's um I don't know I think it, it does show a, a bit of a lack of faith in in some of our promising talent at the football club and if you are one of those promising talented kids at the academy and you're seeing that a second goalkeeper is being put on the bench over an opportunity for you I don't think that sends a great message if I'm honest um mm. So I'm not, I'm not so sure. I, I find that a strange one. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Considering we're having to play a fullback at centre-half at the moment, do you think it was the best decision to let Diop go when he did? Because, I mean, I know he refused to play against City and eventually forced a move. But could he have been managed better in order to have nicked him for a few more games before moving him on? Could he have sat him down and said, look, Issa, I know you're frustrated. I guarantee you I will give you the move. But just give me two or three more games or was he right no let's, let's, let's move him on and then let's put Bennett centre-half I think the problems occurred before 
Aguero got injured. You know what what happened was, and, and you know we reported this on this podcast was that he'd basically been told when Aguero was signed, listen, your fifth choice centre back, you're, you're not really wanted here anymore. We're going to actively look for you to be moved on. Um, so that's that's the deal. And the reason why he would have done that was because he wanted to sell him. So there was no point of vain. Like promising him that he was going to, you know, say anything different. Or, you know, you might get your chance here and there. He wanted Diop out of the club. So he's told him that. And, you know, Diop remains um, fifth choice centre back, which obviously he, he didn't want. You know, at one point he was on the brink of a move to Manchester United and had Spurs after him and things like that. You know, he had big clubs that won. Well, say big clubs, one of them I just said was Spurs, but he had clubs after him. Um, and he, um, he, you know, I think he was told before then that's the, that's the problem. So then obviously he's had that in his knowledge throughout pre-season, worked on getting fit through the pre-season games before a club had made a concrete move. And then Fulham made a concrete move for him. And, um, and he had that option and he knew that at West Ham he was going to be fifth choice. But then at West Ham, typically, Aguerd goes and injures himself long term. Dawson goes and injures himself. Or Bonner doesn't recover to match fitness as quickly as as we thought he would. So we're left in the dilemma of having told this centre-back you're basically going to move. You've got no career here to, the, to now needing him to play in the Premier League. So Duke, understandably, in some ways, turn around and say, well, you basically told me you want me out. And now mm. because circumstances have changed, you're telling me I've got to risk my career because I could potentially get injured. You know, when I play these two games, I've got to play at my best for you. But really, my heart's not in it um, at this club uh, just because you're suddenly now desperate. And whilst I don't think he had the situation well, you know, you, you no professional should ever refuse in whatever job you're in to do your job, which he essentially did. He essentially refused to play in a pre-season friendly and then refused to play against um, Manchester City. No one should do that, but I do understand why he didn't want to play. And then because he didn't want to play, why Moyes wants to get rid of him, the ideal scenario would have been for him to stick around for a couple more games up until the window and and then let him go. But unfortunately, you know, he has no loyalty to West Ham, particularly when the club have bombed him out and said, you're not wanted anymore. So, yes, I understand what you're saying. Yes, ideally. Moyes would have talked to him around and said, look, just give me until deadline day but in this is mine he's probably thinking well why should i if i get injured i'm buggered aren't i so yeah yeah that's the problem yeah no i can understand that well one positive from the game was sai ben rama i mean i thought he was different class yesterday yeah um and if he could consistently deliver that type of performance it'd be a well-beater does he start moving forward or would you go with cornet <laughs> I, th- I think there's a possibly a place for both of them, if I'm honest with yeah, you. Yeah, true, I'm, true. I, I, I would like to see Ben Rama in the more number 10 role. Um, I think where he's central and running at people and twisting and turning could be really, really useful. Um, he's been more of a sort of left winger at times for us, but I'd like to see him in that 10 role. Now, I think Lanzini... I'm not real writing him off yet, but I don't think Lance is quite the player he used to be. I would like having him in the squad and I still love Manu and obviously he's a big, you know, fan favourite. Don't think he's as good as he was like, you know, 2016 pre-injury when he was like, you know, borderline world class, you know, he's getting in the Argentinian squad and stuff. Um, and I think for now, this is a bit, kind of hit and miss in the number 10 role so I would like to see Ben Rama given a chance there and I actually think yeah 
you've got to build on his performance. You, uh, you know, whenever you lose, you've got to look at the thing, the team, and think, right, how am I going to change this and try and turn it round? But you've got to take the positives out of a loss. And as you said, one of the positives, and he conclusively won the man of the match award on Patreon. Oh yeah, um, he got ninety-two percent or something. You know, like he um, he needs to start again. And I and hope, and you know, if he gets a goal, which he basically did, that shouldn't have been ruled offside, and he hit the crossbar. Now he scored two goals. Um, that would have been a massive kickstart for his season. So yeah, I think against. Um, who've got next to the league? Brighton against Brighton. I think he should start. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, as you say, we've got Brighton next in the Premier League. We've got a game before that on Thursday. But in terms of the Premier League, it's Brighton next at home. And it's a tough game that because I think um, their gaffer's really got them playing a different type of football now. His philosophy is a good one, and they're hard to beat. Brighton. They're no mugs, and I think that's one we've got to win really because. You know, we don't want to be losing a third consecutive game because psychologically that wouldn't be great going into Villa away because that's another tough game. And after that, you've got Chelsea and Tottenham. So this is this is this is difficult. You know, it's a tough game, but we we have to win that, don't we? Really against Brighton. Oh yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, we've got to put an end to this voodoo with them. You know, like they they yeah. seem to have been with well, their unlucky club, and it's getting ridiculous now to the point where I actually think some players that have been around all those times and been involved in those games, you know, the likes of Fabianski or Bono Cresswell. Antonio Rice, those sorts of players, there's probably actually becoming a bit of a thing for them. So I feel we've got to beat them. The problem is, is that this Brighton side, even though previous ones beat us, this Brighton side is arguably the best one they've had. So it's getting harder and harder to beat them. Mm. But but I think we've got to get over this slight thing with them now, and we've got to look to beat beat them. Yeah, definitely. Hard. If we don't beat them at home, I'd be disappointed. Do you think we will? Um, <laughs> it's so hard to call at the moment. Um, yes, just mm. I'm, I'm putting my neck on the line there, but yes, I think just 2 1, maybe. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, and um, I'd take that because we, we know, don't we, that psychologically it's so important to get off to a good start. And, and I just highlight the games we've got after Brighton, they're, they're really tough. Mm. So if we do lose to Brighton. There's every chance we could lose to Villa away, even though, you know, I, I still fancy this against them, to be honest. But we could lose that. And then you go into Chelsea and Tottenham. I mean, it's unthinkable, really, to be five or six games into the season without a registered point. But I, I think we're too good for that. And I, I think um, I think we're going to win the game. And I match you on that. I think it'll be 2-1. Before Brighton, we've got Viborg on Thursday. Do you play a weaker side and rest some key players, or do you go strong or strong-ish to try and restore some confidence and get us back to winning ways? I think I think he goes strong-ish. I mean, you're already missing Declan. You're already missing Aaron Cresswell. Both of them are suspended. Um, so uh, Rice was suspended for that um, altercation with the referee, and it was filmed. And uh, Cresswell, obviously, for the sending off. Um, so you've lost those two. So that's two down anyway. Um, so I think you've got to make a... a, a a mixture of strong, but giving people a chance. So, for example, I would start Skamaka because they're saying he's not match fit to start. Yeah, well, the best way to get match fit is to play. So I would play him. I'd play Kone as well because they're saying the same thing about him. So I would start both of those two. I would start Flynn Downs. 
I'd probably start Connor Coventry as well. Those like fringe people that are on the bench, I'd give them a start. Yeah, I would have, I'd bring in Ariola as well. So Ariola in goal. Um, but yeah, you've still got to have some consistency there, like that you need to have. Maybe Zuma by default is going to have to play anyway. Maybe Chafal by default is going to have to play. Um, so I think you need maybe three or four steadies and the rest fringe players for that game. Mm. Might have been quite handy to have had Lace at this time, some would yeah, say. Possibly, although I just don't think the manager ever rated him, mate. I mean, you've got to think when we had that centre back crisis before, he chose to play Cresswell at centre back over him. So mm. I, just, I just don't think he rated him. And I don't know how he's done at Sunderland since he left. Um, I'd have to look it up. But I don't, I haven't heard either way. But I think it's, um, I think I knew from what I'd heard, he wasn't quite up to the standard that we need him to be. That actually, at the moment, Championship is probably the right level for him, which against Viborg, whatever their names are, they're probably, without meaning to underestimate them, they're probably what I would guess a Championship standard. You know, if they're eighth or ninth, whatever they were in the Danish league, I'm guessing that translates as a decent Championship standard team. Um, so... Probably would have done all right against them, but I think I think we I think you'd play. I think you have to play Zuma, and I think you have to play probably um, Johnson. Because I don't think Ogbonna or Dawson are going to be fit. Uh, fit. I think on Dawson's injury, you could argue you could give Ogbonna some time to get him match fit. Um, but yeah, I would play the sub fringe players and Skamaker and Cornet to give them match fitness. Yeah, although I do think that does give us a little bit of a dilemma because. As exciting as a European campaign is for the fans, it, it can be detrimental to our domestic season. And so many other teams have proved it as well. And, uh, you know, whilst we've been happy with the players that we've signed, in terms of squad depth, we haven't really addressed the problem. You know, we're on the verge of being worse off, I think, after this window, the way we uh, keep losing players and this delay on bringing more bodies in. So it's a tough one because you're going to want your players 100% athletically available on Sunday against a good Brighton side. But then obviously I understand what you're saying about match fitness with certain players. I'm just going to state the obvious now. I just think you, you and I don't know anything about Fireball, by the way, hopefully Moisey knows a lot more than I do, but I think you've just got to pick a side that is capable of beating them. I don't think you should play your full strength side in this game because I think that's too risky for Sunday. But I just think, uh, I think, it, yeah, it has to be... Um, it has to be a steady mix, but one that is good enough to win the game. And in mm. worst case, if it isn't, then maybe you, you go full strength for the away leg, which uh, obviously we're both looking forward to going to. Yeah. But it, it's, it's not an easy uh, scenario, I don't think. No, no, it's not. It's not. And because we've got such a small squad anyway, the players that you're talking about playing anyway are players that you would be in contention on Sunday anyhow. You know, like you said, Kone mm. and Skamaka yeah. are arguably you'd want them to play on, on you well, not arguably, you would want them to start on Sunday. And then in midfield, you're probably going to play maybe Downs, Coventry and Lanzini. And, you know, Lanzini, you're only playing Lanzini because he's on the bench this week. So Lanzini potentially might have wanted him against Brighton, you know, and then you go for... There's no one else really that you can think to play because for now started, Ben Rama started. You know, we just don't have 
those options at the moment that are established players that we can alternate. Obviously, we're looking to bring players in and more will come in my section. But, you know, before, you could bring in Yarmolenko, you could bring in Noble, you could bring in Crowell, although he never did. You could bring in Masuaku, um, Fredericks. You know, there was quite a few, but because of injuries at the moment and because of, like, um, you know, players leaving and not being replaced, as in Europe and Flasic recently and then the others before, the squad is lighter now than it was last summer in Europe. So it Ooh. gives us even more selection dilemmas. And yes, players shouldn't be tired at this stage of the season. And they have got a big World Cup break coming up in the not too long future. I still think if you're going to make a, you know, again, as it's a two legged game against a team that really should be a bit weaker to the likes of. You know, the players you're going to be bringing in, Skamaka, Kone, Coventry, Downs, should be better than their players anyway. So, yeah, and like you say, if we end up not playing very well and getting a bad result, you can always go full strength in the second leg to try and turn it around. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, in terms of the predictions league, with the Liverpool game still to play at the point of recording this, um, it's another winning week for me over mm. X, as it stands. Just... Uh, just, yeah, I, know. I don't know what I was thinking because we do a transfer show, as you know, and I probably spend most of my time on that show laughing at the situation Man United are in. So what part of my brain possessed me to predict a 2-1 win against Brentford? I, I don't know what I was thinking, honestly. So that didn't do me any favours because they got absolutely trounced. Um, but yeah, no, to be fair, it is quite close as it stands. What, Go on. What have you got in the Liverpool game? I've just checked the score. A uh, 2-0 win I've gone for. Um, Palace for Liverpool. up at half-time. Are they? Are they? Yeah, yeah. Wow, you must have gone for a Liverpool win though, surely. Oh, well, I would have, yeah, but I'm just, I feel I might have even gone 2-0 as well. I'm just checking to to see what the, what we're... Because if, if, if I've got a different result to you, because you've got 94 points, I've got 87. So this week, I mean, you're still ahead of me because of last week, but whoever, if this Liverpool result, you know, it could change who's ahead this week. Um, so I went 2-0. And yeah, same as me then. Did you? Did you actually go 2-0? I went 2-0, so, yeah. So, it's, it's, so nothing's going to change. It's a basically. nothing game, yeah. No. So, um, so, uh, so I'm on 210 points at the moment. X is on 175. And a big shout to the top five um, who's got off to the best start. Backstreet Moyes is <laughs> currently top by one point, followed by Quainton United. At Gugti is third. Neil Ringrose is fourth. And Rod Evans is fifth. Please remember that if you haven't paid to play yet, you must do ASAP as players that haven't will start to be removed. Okay, let's see if X can cheer us up a little bit. Switching and saving with Geico is easy. So you're free to ponder life's big questions, like why do people say it goes without saying and then say it anyway? I mean, if it really goes without saying, you should instead not say it and just give a knowing look? Well, folks, it goes without saying. Uh, what does? The thing that I'm not going to say. Okay. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. 
Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I, I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, abs. keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.